0: If you have a Bible, we're turning to the book of Mark, Mark chapter 8. And do we put the scriptures up? So I'll be firing out scriptures and uh, it'll save me having to read them. So Mark chapter 8, I'll tell you what we're just going to do. We're going to lift verse 6. We pray, Lord, that you would bless your word. Just, Lord, as you bless the bread, Lord, we ask you to bless the bread of life to us. Lord, so may it nourish us and bless us and build us up. And may you, Lord, be glorified because, Lord, you're worthy of all the praise. And we tell you this morning, we love you. We thank you for Calvary. We thank you for the cross. But we thank you, Lord, more than anything. You're coming again for your people. And, Lord, we're excited about that. So, Lord, we tell you again, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you know, one of the greatest tragedies in the church today is people never feel that God can use them. People never feel they're good enough. People are aware of their shortcomings. See, if I was to say here this morning, God wants to use you, you know what you'll do? You'll start to think of why God wouldn't use you. You'll start to think about the sins. Let me tell you something. I'm going to be honest with you as Christians. Every one of us struggle with sin if you're telling me this morning that you don't struggle with sin, I'm going to tell you straight up, you really do because you're a liar. And one of the problems is when I tell you today that the Lord can use you, do you know what you'll do? You'll look at the person beside you and you'll see the qualities in them and you'll see there's a good person and you'll look at yourself and see why God wouldn't use you. But you see that person sitting beside you, they're thinking the same thing about you. And the reason we do that is because we're so aware of our own faults. I want to tell you, Satan is a liar. He's a deceiver and he's the accuser of the brethren. Let the Spirit of God minister to you this morning. Let the Spirit of God lift you up and anoint you. I was trained under Pastor McConnell, and Pastor McConnell struggled as a young preacher, and he was pleading with the Lord to deal with things in his life. And one day he says a prayer changed his life. And he got down and he prayed these words. He says, Lord, I can't change, and I don't think I'm ever going to change, and you're just going to have to use me the way I am. Do you know what the Lord done? He done exactly that prayer. And there's thousands of people, tens of thousands of people in this wee land were led to the Lord through that ministry. Because he realized he was trying, he was failing, he was trying, he was failing. And do you know what happens to you when that that gets a hold of you? You start to give up. You start to throw in the towel. I want to encourage you this morning. Give to the Lord what you can give. And whether that be a loaf of bread, or whether that be your ministry or your ability, allow God to use you. You know, one of the people that I love the most is a woman who went by the name of Tabitha in the Bible, Dorcas in the Greek. And she says, if you read in the book of Acts, I'm just firing this off the top of my head because you come to me there now she's one of the only people you're reading the new testament that the church refused to bury and they put her in a room and they says go and get peter because we can't afford to lose Dorcas to the ministry we can't afford to lose her to the church do you know what her ministry was does anybody want to shout out so on she was a knitter she knitted clothes for the lord and she was that valuable to the children of God. They refused to bury her. And says, go and get Peter. And Peter came and raised her back to life. Doesn't that go to show you? You didn't hear of them doing it with Peter or James or John, but a wee woman who could knit. Why? Because she used her talents onto the Lord. And you may feel your talents are useless. You may feel your talents are of no importance. I want to tell you something. If you can knit here today, and you give that on to the Lord, you'll not only change Monaghan, you'll change the island of Ireland, and you'll turn this country upside down. But why I'm speaking on this ministry and this passage this morning is I want you to realize, Christ can only use what you give to him. Christ can only use what you give to him. Isn't it interesting that only a few months ago, the Lord had done the feeding of the 5,000. The exact same miracle. And is it interesting that the disciples made the exact same mistake a few months later? Because when the Lord turned around and says, eh, We've got this crowd of people, they're hungry, what are we going to do? That's what he asked them. Do you know what they said? The exact same thing they did a few months ago. Oh, we're in trouble now. They couldn't see the answer was there. Because they took their eyes off Jesus and they started to look at why they couldn't do it rather than why they could do it. And I want to tell you this morning, when Christ is for you, who can be against you today? If God comes and stands by your side and says, we've got a job to do in Monaghan, do you know what? Monaghan better be ready for a move of God. And all it takes is for one of you to turn around and say, Lord, here I am, send me. You mightn't have much. I'm going to be honest with you. You don't need a theology degree. Theology has its place. Let me tell you. There's nobody has. And I'm not trying to be arrogant. There's nobody as many books as myself. Do you know what I learned about all those books? Most of them's a load of nonsense. Do you know why? They put God in a box. And do you see if you put God in your theological box. You may get in trouble when you need him to come out of it. See, we put God into a box that fits our understanding. He's beyond our understanding. If you can put God into words, you're in trouble. But i tell you what you do with God. Put him into action. Bring him into your situations. Bring him into your home. Bring him into that chaos that's developing and you don't know what to do. The doctors give up. The husbands give up. The wives give up. Everybody's given up. But I want to tell you, there's hope in Jesus. There's hope in the crucified one. Because he's the one while he was on the cross. Never forget, he didn't say, I am finished. He says, it is finished. It's a finished work. It's a complete work. But it's a work that continues on 2,000 years later. And it's a work that can increase in this area of the vineyard. Do you know what the importance of that work is? Is what can you give to the Lord today? What do you want to give to the Lord today? What are you prepared to give to the Lord today? What is it that you can turn around and say, Lord, here it is, I'm going to give this to you. Do you know what? In the eyes of those beside you, and even in the eyes of those who are closest to you, it could look absolutely pathetic. But do you see if God anoints it? See if God touches it? It can be absolutely amazing. And it'll be life changing. I'm telling from the youngest of you here today. From the youngest of us to the eldest of us here today, there's no such thing as too old or too young to be used of Christ. The Bible says a child shall lead them. And an 80-year-old man let 1.4 million people out of captivity after 40 years of rejection. See, what I'm trying to do here today is trying to get you to realize Every single person, I promise you, every single one of you here today are important to the kingdom of God. Every one of you. And you may feel you don't even want to do this. That's the interesting part about it. There's times we're challenged and there's times our our emotions want to go with it and where we're like, do you know what, I wouldn't mind, but I'm too busy of this, of that. And, And we find more reasons not to follow our heart than to do it. Don't do that. Pray to the Lord today. Say, Lord, take me and use me. Do you know what's the interesting thing about the feeding of 4,000? Very few people ever preach on it. And I'm not trying to say I'm something special because I'm preaching on it today. That's not what I'm saying. It's very few seem to find the message in it because the feeding of the 5,000 surpasses it. This is only 4,000. The feeding of 5,000 was 5,000 men besides women and children. People believe there could be anything between fourteen to 20,000 people at the feeding of the 5,000. And here we are a few months later. So it's only 4,000. Who's interested in that? But here's the interesting thing about There's a message in it. And it jumped out and it caught a hold of me. Now, please don't think, I'm a great believer in bringing fresh bread. So don't think I'm bringing you uh, stale bread. I actually preached this last week in my own church. And usually when I preach a message, it leaves me. This took such a hold of me, and I felt I had to bring it to you. So i pray in these last few moments that the Lord, in what we're about to say, increases your faith and blesses you. You see, where the message in the feeding of the 4,000 changes, is we have to realize where it happened. See, the feeding of the 5,000 happened in Galilee. It happened where Christ was wanted. Does anybody remember in Mark chapter 5? There was a man called Legion. Do you remember Legion? Does anybody remember where he lived? In a place called Decapolis. Now, actually, we'll do it for the, 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 the help of... If you turn to Mark 5 and 17, after Christ cast out. Do you remember he come to the man filled with a thousand demons? Actually he was filled with 6,000. A legion in the Roman army was 6,000. Uh, people say it was a 1,000. It was actually he, this man had every demon. Every demon, his friends, his family and his buddies was all with this man. And if you read it carefully, Whenever Christ delivered this man, you would have thought that city would have been overwhelmed with joy and said, "Isn't this fantastic?" But do we see what it says in Mark 5 and 17. And they began to pray Jesus to depart out of their coasts. They actually prayed that he would leave. I want to encourage you today. no matter what the government passes, no matter how many laws they bring through to take Christ out of the schools, to take Christ out of the system, and to take Christ out of the nation, our God is far greater. And they prayed Christ out of their land. Imagine praying Christ out of your land. Isn't that crazy? They told him we don't want you here, and they literally shipped Christ out on a boat, says, Away you go and don't come back. Now, here's the interesting thing about this. If you read in verse 19, this man who was possessed with demons wanted to go with Christ, he wanted to become a disciple. He says, I'm done with the capitalists, I'm done with this place, they're godless. Do you ever feel you're done with somewhere? Do you ever feel somewhere is beyond the move of God? And you say, do you know what? I'm done here. It's godless. There's no hope. I'll follow the crowd. I'll follow where uh, God is accepted. Well, Christ turned around him and says, well, actually, that's not what you're for doing here. I've got a plan. See, Jeremiah 29 and 11, do you know what the Lord says? He says, I know the plans I have for you. Isn't that lovely to know? that Christ has a plan for every one of you. And do you know what's even better? He knows the plan. Ask the Lord to reveal his plan and his will for your life. That's why the Lord said, see the disciples when they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. We call it the Lord's Prayer. It's not the Lord's Prayer. It's the disciples' prayer. The Lord's Prayer was in the Garden of Gethsemane. The disciples' prayers, where the Lord was teaching us how to pray. And what do we pray? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, thy plan be done. You see, it's a daily prayer, it's a template. I'm not going to go off course here. Use the Lord's prayer as a template. Can I give you a quick explanation? Our Father who art in heaven, Father, you're in the heavens above. You're above every situation. You're above every problem. You're above every circumstance that I have this day. Give me this day what you have for me. Give me your glory. Give me your blessing. Give me your honor that I can go out and proclaim your majesty as your representative. That's what the Lord's prayer was. See, if you don't know how to pray, use the Lord's prayer as a template. Do you know what? See, within one week, you'll see your life turned upside down. Now, I want to on one there because I wanted to encourage you a lot of people struggle in praying. But the Lord has a plan for your life. He's got a will. And here's the beautiful thing. See, if you read uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, do you know what it says at the end? Do you know why I've done it all? Because I want to give you an expected end. I want to give you an end that people will talk about. I want to give you an end that is a blessed end. An end with glory, an end with hope. Do you know the Lord wants every one of you to succeed here today? The Lord loves every one of you. He loves every hair in your head. Do you know it's a scientific fact that nobody can count the hairs in your head? Do you know that? Do you know there's only one way that can count the hairs in your head? Does anybody know how you can do it? You have to pluck them out. People tell you, young girls, see them fellas who tell you they love every hair in your head? They're wee liars. But you see when the Lord says, I love every hair in your head, he loves every hair in your head. Because he numbers, it says he numbers the hairs in your head. It's in the Bible. See if something's in the Bible, find out why it's in the Bible. Why is he telling you that he knows the numbers of hair in your head? Because he's letting you know, I know things about you that nobody else does and I still love you. I know you with your sins and I still love you. I know you with your faults and I still love you. And I love you more than you'll ever understand. And he wants you to know that today. He loves you. And he wants to give you an end. And here's a man who was given up. He says, Lord, I'm ready to leave the Decapolis. I'm ready to go with you. I've heard the call. And the Lord says, I don't know what you heard. But you didn't hear the call. You're staying. And listen to what the Lord tells him in verse 19. How be it Jesus suffered him not. Thank God for the times he says no to you. Say that with me. Thank God for the times he says no. Say that again. Thank God for the times he says no. Do you know this is one of the greatest examples of when God says no. And listen to what it says. He says, go home to your friends... Tell them how great a things the Lord have done for you and have had compassion on them. Now, notice verse 20. And Jesus departed, and he began to publish in Decapolis how great a things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. Now, here's the importance of what we have just read. Here's Decapolis Decapolis means 10. It was 10 cities. It was a huge area. And they rejected Christ. And there's one man. And he listened to what the Lord asked him to do. And the Lord says, I want you to stay here. And I want you to evangelize this area. I'm going to throw a boomerang in here on you. I'm going to say something to you that may (laughs) trigger... I hear people saying, we need Jesus, and we need this, and we need that. Can I tell you something with the greatest respect? If Christ himself was here this morning, there'd still be no, no extra people come here from among him. He was here 2,000 years ago, and sure they weren't interested in him. As a matter of fact, the night before he was crucified, they got that fed up one of them walked up and left the meeting. Eleven men he was left with. See, we get this dramatic idea We need Jesus. Jesus will sort it all out. Jesus will sort you out to sort them out. That's the difference. Stop asking Christ to do what he wants to do through you. Because here's the difference. Let's let's put this into reality. Here's 10 cities rejected Jesus Christ himself. I find it really hard to say this without sounding blasphemous. But here's 10 cities rejected Jesus Christ himself and a wee man that Christ says, no, you're staying here. He turned it upside down. He turned it upside down to the point where we now come to Mark chapter 8 Guess where the miracle of the feeding of the 4,000 happened? Where was it? Decapolis. This man, under the anointing of God, in a short period of time, turned those ten cities upside down. That It even says in Mark 5 that the men did marvel. And how we can prove it is, if you look at Mark 7 and the verse 31, it says that he came into the midst of Decapolis. The Lord came back to Decapolis a few months later, and all of a sudden, he's faced with a problem. Too many people come out. And they didn't know what to do with the crowd because they were hungry. What a wonderful problem that God would do such a move through a man that wasn't wanted. Legion wasn't wanted. Only a few months ago he was an outcast. He was living in the graveyard. Isn't it lovely to think that you could be an outcast here today? Isn't it lovely to think that you mightn't even have anywhere in your own home? And if the Lord was to touch you and you were to respond to him this morning, that the Lord could do something in your life. You know, this message is going to be one of two things this morning. It's going to be the most boring message you ever heard in your life, or it's going to be a message that will change your life forever. It's up to you what you do with it. And it's not because I'm preaching it. It's the Word of God. And here's where the kicker is. Here's where the Lord is sitting now in verse 1 of chapter 8. And here's where the glory of God is revealed in those days the multitude being very great isn't that lovely a place that rejected christ only a few months ago now has a church that was so great they couldn't even get it into a building wouldn't it be lovely if that was your problem here that the people were so vast and so great you couldn't even get them in here wouldn't that be fantastic what a problem to have why because one man was prepared to say Lord take me the Lord says I'm going to take you but I'm going to use you in a way that you'll never understand I want you to stay here I want you to tell people notice what the Lord and I'm by the way I'm not down on Bible college he didn't say go to Bible college and go and learn theology he says go and tell them what I've done in your life that's your greatest weapon by the way Revelation says they overcome them by the blood of the lamb and by what the word of their testimony your testimony is more powerful than anything you'll ever have I'm closing I'm not going to go on on you But let me say this And be careful and this is why I'm saying be careful Do you know the disciples? When the Lord said, Take the loaves, and He blessed the loaves, they were in doubt. I'm going to prove to you they were in doubt. This is after the Lord had already performed this exact same miracle of the 5,000. Here they are, and doubt has come in. Can I say something to you this morning? Don't let doubt get a hold of you. Don't allow yourself to go down that road. I'll prove to you. See, when the Lord said, take the seven loaves, he asked them what he's got. He says, we've got seven loaves. It says in verse 6, and he took the seven loaves, he gave thanks, he break it, and he give it to the disciples, set it before them, and they just set them before the people. Verse 7, then comes along, and they had a few small fishes, and he blessed them. Verse is an afterthought. The scene seen how the Lord blessed the loaves, and all of a sudden appeared these mystery fish. The Lord asked them, what have you got? Oh, we've got seven loaves. And then the next thing, when they see the miracle starting to happen, all of a sudden, oh, these fish just dropped out of the sky, Lord. We didn't see them. Do you know why they've done that? They were playing it safe. You know what I'm going to tell you this morning? Don't play it safe with God. Do you know why I think the greatest thing that a Christian can do is be prepared to make mistakes? Be prepared to make mistakes. Allow yourself to make mistakes. Allow yourself to do stupid things. You all know the old saying, the man who never made a mistake, he didn't make anything. But see, when you're doing these things, ask the Lord to give you his wisdom and ask him to give you his protection. Do you see if you ask for that, he'll give you wisdom and he'll protect you. So here's my message to you this morning. Here's it in a nutshell. What is it you're going to give to him today? Christians, we're not called here to just be numbers in a church. We're called to be the church. This isn't the church. You're the church. This is just a building. I'm saying this with a grace of respect. You just move out of here next week and sell this building. It could be a restaurant. It could be a nightclub. It could be anything. It's not the church. You're the church. You're the body of Christ. You're his hands. You're his feet. You go home tonight and this is an empty building. I have a bit of news for you. It's an empty building. The church went home with you. But the problem is the church thinks the building's the church. Show me in the Bible where God anoints buildings. He anoints people. And why I'm saying it is, if you could only understand, if you could only but grasp that God wants to use you, God can use you, and God will use you for the glory and honor of his kingdom. A lamb that bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.